0: Thank you, thank you. Um, no, it's not middle school, but it's not a good thing either, right? It's not because we're like becoming more spiritual that we're not laughing as much, right? Or it's not because we're just getting so much closer to God that, you know, we just don't have as much joy. No, it's, it's, it's like growing up, right? It's like what Peter Pan didn't want to do. It's un- and it's the things that come along with that. Like unbelief, even religious tradition can fall into that and cause to lose our joy, right? So that's not okay with me. I want my 375 laughs that I've been, you know, have been stolen from me. I want those back, and I know that you guys too, you guys do too. And so I, I want us to get our joy back this morning. And my challenge for all of us today this morning is, once we get it, don't lose your joy. So that's the title of, of the message today: Don't lose your joy. And we're going to talk about how. We can't afford to lose our joy. I mean, why we need it so badly uh, and why we can't go through life without it. And we're also going to bring attention to two voices that when we listen to them, they cut our joy out from under us. But fear not, we have hope. We can get it back. And I want to bring our attention to a few tools uh, that will help us uh, keep it for good. All right. So to help us reach our quota of 400 laughs per day, Uh, You know, I I brought this video, hopefully that brought us up a little bit, but to increase uh, to the quota, I want us to laugh a little bit this morning, is that cool? Awesome. Alright, so actually I want us to laugh at some lies, right? And so before you write me off, you're like, oh, this dude's weird, like, that sounds like New Agey and mystical or something. I think about laughter, I mean, laughter is powerful, right? And laughter uh, is actually a pretty liberating tool. I mean, you watch this video, it feels freeing, right, to laugh, and you're just like, there's no fear in that, and so it's actually a powerful tool against lies as well, as weird as that sounds, and you think about the, the realm of spiritual things, you have God and you have an enemy, right, and the devil is, is, is like the ticker tape at the bottom of a news channel, just always streaming a story, always, 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 feeding something into your brain, trying to get you to believe something that's not true, it's actually counter to what God says and his promises to you, right, so I found, and, and I didn't make this up, we were taught this by someone else, uh, that laughter is a powerful tool to cut the power of those out and to show you really how ridiculous many of these lies are, right? So we're going to do a little exercise where I'm going to say something, say a lie that many of us tend to believe, and we're all going to laugh at it, all right? Awesome. All right, so this is going to be a little uncomfortable at first if you've never done this, but I, I promise you will warm up into it, all right? So can we, can we jump into this together? Yeah. All right, here we go. God won't meet my needs in the future. Ha 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 ha, right? <laughs> That's ridiculous, right? <laughs> Things are only going to get worse. Ha 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 ha. I've sinned far too much to be blessed and to enjoy life. Ha ha ha. Nervous laughter. <laughs> God has just about had enough of me. <laughs> oh, this one's a little painful. No one gets healed when I pray for them. <laughs> Oh, I'm stupid and accident prone. (laughs) Alright, how many of you guys feel liberated already, right? Alright, how many of you guys have ever believed any of those before? Yeah, me too, me too. So, this morning, we're going to take our joy back, and again, I challenge you guys, don't lose your joy. Alright, so, there are a few things... Um, that you might object to, right? You might say, hey, well, that's fine for you. You can laugh. You have a lot to be joyful about, right? But but me, I don't have a joyful personality, right? I'm just not a joyful person. Can we just laugh at that? Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like saying, I don't have the gift of doing dishes. I just don't have, like, a dishes personality. So I'm just not going to do the dishes. How many of you guys know it's not going to fly with your roommate or your spouse, right? They'll be like, I don't care what personality you have. Get your butt back in the kitchen and do your dishes, Right? Or imagine, like, on a more serious level, like someone saying, I just can't be a loving person because I don't have a loving personality. You'd be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, actually, the Bible commands us to be loving, and God wouldn't command you to do something you can't do. Right? Real talk. So, the, princi- the same principle applies to joy. Each of us have the power and the ability to live abundantly joyful. So it's actually a muscle that we need to develop. So it's not that you don't have a a joyful personality. And if you don't feel like a joyful person, if you feel like you don't have much joy, it's not because, oh, I'm just not a joyful person, or I don't have a joyful personality. It's because you got a flabby joy muscle, (laughs) right? And it's, it's not that you just have so many more problems than all the other happy people in the world. You just don't have any problems at all. No, it's you just haven't worked out your joy muscle in a while. You're a little out of shape, right? You haven't been to the gym in a while. So there are a few voices that when we listen to these two things, they cut our joy out from under us. So I want to bring our attention to them because how many times, how many guys know that if you don't know where the problem comes from, it's hard to solve a problem, right? Oftentimes, uh, who's the famous Chinese uh, Sun Tzu who wrote The Art of War said the, the, the most strategic thing you can do is to get your enemy to believe that you don't exist, Right, And so if we don't realize what these two voices are, then we're not going to realize why we're living the way that we are and why we are missing out on so much that we could be living in. Right, So these two voices are, uh, if you guys are taking notes, I'd encourage you guys to write this down, our feelings and our past. So when we listen to these two voices other than God, we lose so much of our joy. When we listen to our feelings and our past, We miss out on so much of the joy that God wants to bring us. Our feelings, it goes like this. We already talked about this. You know, I don't feel like a joyful person. It's not my personality. Maybe you failed and you're like, I can't have joy. I just failed. This failure is preventing me from having joy. Maybe you failed a class. Maybe you made a mistake in your job or in your family. This mistake is keeping me from having joy. Your feelings are keeping you from having joy. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's we just had uh, unescorted last week. Maybe it's, I'm still single. I can't have joy because I'm still single, right? Oh, it's, it's a little too painful, so we can not laugh at that, huh? <laughs> okay. Or maybe it's you didn't get the promotion, right? I mean, we build up expectations and you get disappointed, right? And so, well, I can't have joy because of this. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe, I mean, same example. Maybe your girlfriend broke up with you, right? And you're like, oh, I just got rejected. I can't have joy. Or maybe someone you really loved and was counting on says something to you that, that was hurtful right, so I can't have joy because of this, or maybe it's, your feelings can often make you kind of build up different arguments in your mind, where like, if someone else is suffering, I can't have joy, I mean, you see, you know, the pain in the world, the hunger in the world, you know, orphans in Africa, get a classic example or something, that because of that, if you feel bad, right, like, I, like, it's, it's like some warped thing, like, that's messed up for me to be happy, and them to be suffering, but we don't realize that the world actually needs you to be operating on every cylinder that's possible so that the kingdom can come and more can experience joy too, right? So if we let other people or our feelings do that, sometimes our feelings lead us into what I've heard someone call destination disease. Destination disease means that your eyes are so focused on your destination that you can't have joy until you get there, right? And, And the formula for destination disease is I'll have more joy when fill in the blank. And we, I'm sure we can all think of things. I'll have more joy when I graduate, or when I get out of this class, or when I get a girlfriend, or when I get married. I'll have more joy when we have kids. I'll have my, more joy when the kids graduate. <laughs> I'll have more joy when I retire. I mean, you, there's so many things. The, the, it's endless. Like, we, we can be like the, the animal with the, the carrot dangling in front of us that we never get it, yeah. right? And, and there's an important principle that says, if you don't have joy now you're not going to have joy then. It doesn't matter what you're looking forward to. If you don't have joy now, you're not going to have joy when you get whatever the thing is that you're looking for. There's a psalm that I've really been um, digging into recently. It's one of the more famous uh, verses in the Bible. Psalm 23. It's the famous one. If you've seen Titanic, the guy's quoting like, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, That's the psalm. But the first verse is, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I mean, it's easy to read past. I mean, it goes on. It's really famous. But it's easy to skip past that the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Like, nothing needs to change. I'm good. My circumstances don't need to change. I'm not waiting on something to come into my life for me to have joy. The Lord is my shepherd. He's with me. I have everything I need. I can have joy now. And that cuts out whatever my feelings are telling me, that all the reasons I can't experience joy. This says, no, the Lord is my shepherd. I can have joy now. So that's what our feelings, that's how our feelings cut out. Let's look at our past. You know, the longer that we're alive, the more that stuff just sticks to us, right? Maybe you failed in the past and you think, oh, I I am a failure. I failed in the past. I am a failure. And uh, maybe you're stuck trying to relive or fix the past. And and the classic example of you guys seeing Napoleon Dynamite where he's like, Man, if Coach just would have put me in, we'd have won state. You know, he's just like, I bet I could throw a football over those mountains over there. You know, he's just like totally stuck in the past. And maybe, you know, I mean, another, depending on where you're at, a funny example, I think. I don't have kids yet, so maybe it's not funny if you, don't, if you have kids. But, the, uh, you know, parents trying to live vicariously through their kids at, at like t-ball games and stuff, right? <laughs> to where, I think I, I forgot to put this picture up here. I forgot to put it. But there's a sign that a school ended up putting on they're like the, the gate of the baseball field. Said, parents, no college scholarships will be given out at today's game. <laughs> like, chill. Like, you're, the coach is a volunteer. They, like, they're human beings. Like, treat. Like it doesn't matter, right? And, like, you, I mean, it's, it's so easy to do, right? When we let our past define, us, like, oh, man, I missed out on these opportunities. I need to force my kids to make sure they get this opportunity too, right? And, and our joy is dependent upon our past in a weird, warped sort of way. I mean, another all of this is kind of under the umbrella of shame, which says, I deserve suffering and punishment, not joy. Right? And whether you're a Christian or not, we can feel like, man, I, I don't deserve joy. I mean, if you knew what I did, if you knew who I am, if you knew the way that I think, right? I can't have joy. I don't deserve that joy. And the Bible actually speaks to this. And it says... You know, shame keeps many of us from experiencing joy because we believe we deserve to suffer. And, and you know the bad news is the Bible says, actually, yeah, you're right, we do. We do deserve to suffer. We deserve to be punished. And, and that's what Christ did for us is He came to trade our punishment and our suffering for joy. Now, there's a few scriptures here. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone is sinned, and we all for, fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone has sinned. All of us. No matter how good you are, no matter if you were born into a Christian home or a Buddhist home or, or anything, we all fall short. And Romans 6.23, three chapters later, says the wages or the consequences of this sin that everyone has is death. And if we stop there, then all of us do deserve punishment and suffering. All of us deserve to be separated from God. And we don't deserve joy. I mean, that's just the way it is. Because all of us, me, I was born in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, but that doesn't genetically pass on to me. I still had sin in my life, right? So the only way, if we stop there, then all of us are going to live a very joyless existence. The good news, though, is that it goes on. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That Jesus, through His death, His resurrection, through His life, He made a way for us out of that life of punishment, of suffering, into real, abundant, rich life. And so if you're a Christian in the room, and you're believing that, man, I deserve suffering, I deserve punishment, I don't deserve joy, you've been duped into believing a lie. Like, that's not true. Jesus took the full weight of what you deserve, which means you don't deserve that anymore. So if you're not living in joy, it's because the enemy has duped you into believing something that's not true. Right? Just like we listen to our past and we listen to our feelings. And it's not true. That's not the way it is, right? So we can't allow our past and our feelings to define our joy. We've got to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto God's perspective. And you know what? God's perspective is that it's really, really important to Him that you live an abundantly joyful life. I mean, I heard someone say recently that joy is actually a third of the kingdom. Joy is one third of the kingdom. And if you don't believe me, Romans 14, 17, uh, we're in Romans a lot today, says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and going to church. <laughs> ha! <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's righteousness, peace, and, you know, not killing people. Right? No, it's, it's, it's joy. I mean, like, why did he include joy in that? I mean, it's kind of random, like, why not, like, righteousness, peace, and, you know, like, prayer, or, or something that I can do to feel good about myself because I'm doing something. No, it's It's joy. I mean that matters so much to God. And if you're missing out on joy and you think that you're doing your good saintly duty by like just suffering through life and being, you know, the suffering servant by laying down your life for other people, and you don't have joy. You're missing out on 33% of what God wants to do in your life. God doesn't want you to miss out on 33% of his purpose for you. So why why is this so important? Why is joy so important to God? Because joy is strength. Joy is strength. That's right, Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. How many of you guys heard of Helen Keller? Pretty famous person. It'd be, I think it'd be easy to make the argument that most of us don't have nearly the challenges that Helen Keller had, right? So, you know, it's easy to make the argument, well, I don't have joy because of this problem in my life. I mean, look at Helen Keller. I mean, it's like she had some pretty intense challenges, right? Check out what she said about joy. She said, resolve to keep happy. And your joy shall form an invincible host against difficulties. Resolve. Make the choice. Make the decision. Like it's in your control. You have the power to make the choice to to have joy. And if you do, that joy will form like a shield around you against difficulties. Isn't that intense? Joy is strength. Uh, Steve Backlund, a guy I kind of alluded to earlier as a pastor uh, with Bethel, uh, in California, and a few months ago, many of us went to Lawrence for a seminar he had about uh, activating spiritual gifts, and man, he dropped some bombs on us that were pretty incredible, and one of them, uh, he said, hey, I have a theory, I have this theory uh, that our spiritual load capacity is directly proportional to our level of joy. are some big words, but our spiritual load capacity, like the amount you're able to handle is directly proportional to the, the level of joy that you have. So you think about a beam, right, like a steel beam on a bridge. It has it, Every beam's rated for a, a load capacity, which is the weight it can handle, uh, which if it handles more than that, it'll bend, it'll warp, and it'll break, right? So you have a, a little tiny beam with a little tiny uh, rating. You're not going to put much on that beam. You're not going to put a semi-truck on it, you know. But if you have a giant beam, then you can run tons of semi-trucks over it. You can build the bridge from Brooklyn to New York City with it, right? And so the stronger it is, the more joy that we have, the more strength that we have, the more that we are able to handle. And so think about strength and the idea of strength. When do you need strength? You don't need strength before a battle or after a battle, right? You need strength in a battle, right? So many of us, and I'm just as guilty of this, think that I can't have strength because of this battle I'm in friend, you need the joy to get through the battle. Like, how are you going to get through it without your strength? Right? So I can't have joy because of, my roommate's just a jerk, and, you know, I'm in this thing, that I'm in this conflict. Well, I can't have joy because this class is so hard and this teacher doesn't like me. Or because, you know, my spouse and I are in some conflict, or whatever it is. I can't have joy because of this. You need your joy to get through that battle. You need the strength to get through that. There's a, an, another part of that is, is that all of us are in training. Remember I said joy is a muscle. You're in training to thrive inwardly when there's things around you you don't like. And that's how you develop this strength. That's how you develop and you work the muscles. When there are things around you that, man, I'm not okay with this. Normally this would cause me to lose my joy. Is okay. How can I thrive inwardly even though there's things around me I don't like? That's that's this training. That's how we we develop this muscle. You think about Jesus. Christ thrived inwardly when he was being crucified by people that hated him and and misaccused him, right? He could thrive inwardly despite the things going around him that he wasn't okay with, right? There's a an interesting, sort of obscure passage in Third John two. It's one of the shorter books in the Bible. To where it doesn't have like a chapter and a verse. It just says two because it's that's just there's one chapter. So verse two says, Dear friends, this is John talking to this church. Dear friends, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as your strongest spirit. Now, that's kind of random, but it's interesting that John makes this connection between thriving inwardly and thriving outwardly. That if you can thrive inwardly, you can thrive on the outside. If you can prosper on the inside then you can prosper on the outside. And I'm not saying, hey, if you can just feel good about yourself, all your dreams will come true and you'll just have a million dollars and you, know, you can get the Cadillac you always dreamed of. No, but if you can thrive on the inside and say, hey, no matter what comes my way, I can be content, I can have joy in this situation. Man, life's going to go a lot better for you. I mean, I can testify for, for my own life. I don't do this perfectly. I'm, I'm learning a lot with all of us. Uh, even this week, there are times where I'm like, man, this situation sucks. Like, my life sucks because of this situation. They're like, no, okay, no, that's not true. I can have joy because of this situation. And when we prosper on the inside, man, we just interpret things differently. And we, we can hear from God so much more clearly. And we can be ready and make ourselves available to what God wants to do in our lives so much more readily, right? And so prosper on the inside leads to prospering on the outside. There's a, I want to wrap up with this story that illustrates this from the Bible about the Israelites. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Numbers 33. Numbers 33, verse 31, uh, through the second verse of the next chapter, 14-2. You guys have probably heard of Moses. I mean, there's a lot of movies out recently, right? Uh, Moses uh, is a famous guy who God used to lead the Israelites out of slavery. They were in slavery in Egypt to the Egyptians. And, you know, they did uh, the plagues, the miracles, different things. And eventually they, they leave Egypt. And, you know, if you've seen Bruce Almighty, he like splits his tomato soup. And it's kind of the same, same deal here. He splits the Red Sea, right? And they walk across on dry land. Well, after that, God makes this promise. And he says, I'm going to lead you to a promised land. I'm going to lead you to a nation of your own. That you will have your own nation. You will be a people. You will be my people. And they call it the promised land. Because God had promised it to him, right? And so... They had to believe, they had to trust that God could keep his promise, right? And so, so eventually they, they come to this land and God says, that's the promised land. Go send some people in, check it out, and, uh, and let's do this thing. So they send in 12 guys, like spies, to spy out the land. And, and they come back and two of them are, are they're like, in awe like that God would give them this land. Like this is incredible. The crops are amazing. Like the resources are plentiful. Like there's everything that we could ever dream of. Let's do this thing. Like let's go take it. Let's go allow God to use us to do this. They they believed God. They trusted God, right? Now the other 10 spies, they weren't so optimistic about it. And this is where we're going to read right here. Numbers 31, uh, sorry, 13 verse 31 right here on the screen. So, they spread a bad report about the land among the Israelites. They said this, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, some tall guy I guess. (laughs) Next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Then the whole community, they convinced the entire community that, that their perspective was the right one. The whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, in slavery. If only we had died in slavery, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? They couldn't see what God wanted to do. They couldn't believe it. God had a promise. He said, I'm going to do this incredible thing. And they couldn't believe it. So, hey, it's better that we could just go back to slavery. Like, it's better we go back to prison in the jail yard. Or at least die here in the wilderness. And you know what, you know what happened? They didn't enter the promised land. They couldn't, they couldn't do it. They were so afraid. So God had them wander around in the wilderness in the desert for 40 years because they couldn't believe God's promise. And isn't that like us? In the same way, unbelief keeps us in the wilderness. It keeps us out of the promise. It keeps us out of the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives. It keeps us in no joy, no hope. keeps us in despair. We're not experiencing the riches of life God has for us. We're not experiencing the relationships God has for us. We're not experiencing God's presence the way that we know we could because of unbelief. We just can't believe the things that God has us. Why? Because we're listening to our, our feelings. We're listening to our past instead of to God. So friends, it's time to get out of the wilderness. It's time to get out of unbelief. It's, it's time that we take a hold of the joy and listen to God rather than our feelings and our past. So remember our, our awkward exercise at the beginning? We're going to round two right now, right? You guys ready? So our feelings and our past tell us very different things than what God tells us. So I want to remind us of what God tells us. So I'm going to to say a lie. We're going to laugh about it. I'm going to remind us what God actually says about that thing. All right. So, you guys ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Here we go. God won't provide for my needs in the future. (laughs) Right. You know what God says? He says, "Watch me miraculously provide. Watch me. These challenges are too big for me to handle. (laughs) You know what God says? I can move mountains through you. I can move mountains through you. You're a failure." (laughs) Ha 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 That wasn't me telling you you're a failure. I was like that's laughing. No, God says you're a success. You will be a success to my glory. Yeah. You're a disappointment. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, it's getting a little close to home, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, no. You know what God says? You're my favorite. Yeah. You're not a disappointment. You're my favorite. I don't deserve joy. Ha <laughs> Man, God says I died to give you joy. Yeah. So you better take a hold of it. <laughs> our feelings in our past say, no one likes me. (laughs) God says, I've made you for great influence. Lastly, our feelings in our past tell us, I'm a grasshopper. (laughs) God says, you're a mighty warrior. There's another guy in the Bible, we're not going to look it up, but there's a guy named Gideon who the Israelites, after they take a hold of the promised land, uh, eventually they, they... they kind of do the same thing that we do, right? They took another lap in the wilderness, metaphorically. They, they fell back into unbelief. And so then their enemies started to conquer them. And Gideon was this guy who was basically living in fear for his life. And, and instead of, uh, they weren't able to really harvest their crops because the enemies would come and take their crops away from them. Like, as, at harvest season, they'd come. So what he would do is he'd harvest them, like, in secret, and then he'd, like, go into a pit, like, to hide and so he could like thresh the grain, like refine it or you know, do whatever farmers do to get the grain out of the crop, right? But instead of doing that out in the open like he normally would, he was hiding in this pit that he'd made when an angel shows up, angel from God, says, hello, great and mighty warrior. And Gideon was like, like who, are you talk, who are you talking to? Like, that's not me. Like, I'm not a great and mighty warrior. I'm hiding in a pit. Like, from my enemies. Like, that's not what great and mighty warriors do. Right? But God was speaking to who he had made him to be, not what his feelings and his past made him think he was. Right? You know what Gideon ended up doing? He ended up believing God. He ended up being the great and mighty warrior. Ended up leading them out of, like, tyranny, sort of, by their enemies, into victory over their enemies. In the same way, God wants to do that with us. He wants to lead us out of unbelief. God calls each one of you, hey, What's up, great and mighty warrior? Like, who are you talking to, man? It's not me. I'm living in subjection to all of my circumstances around me. So, no, that's not who I made you to be. Right. I made you to rise up and believe who I made you to be, to have joy, to take a hold of it. It's time to get out of the desert this morning. So, I have some next steps for us. The first one is just real simple. If you're here and you haven't uh, experienced any relationship with Christ, man, give your shame to Jesus. Give Jesus your shame. He died to take that away from you. It is only through His death and His resurrection that we have life. It's only through Him that we are able to really have joy. And even if you're a believer here, and you've believed any of these things that, hey, God won't provide, your challenges are too big, or you know, your circumstances really do rule how much joy you have, you need to repent for that. Like You can't just be like, oh, like, I guess I should just suck it up. No, like God, forgive me for calling you a liar and believing this thing that's not true repent. There is new life available to you today, whether you're a believer or not. The second thing is stir your faith. Stir your faith. It's easy. Your feelings and your past come back every single day, just like the ticker tape on the news channel. Always a story. Every moment of the day. And it's easy to in a moment of weakness be like, oh man, yeah, my life is hard. My circumstances are really challenging. I don't think I can do this. Right? No, stir your faith. There's a few psalms that Man, have been, have been rocking me recently where David stirs his faith. Check this out. In Psalm 42, verse 5. This is David talking to himself. Um, smart people do in fact talk to themselves, uh, by the way. Um, not just crazy people. He says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Why am I feeling like crud? Why am I listening to my feelings in my past? I am making a decision right now to praise God, to put my faith in God. I can choose. Joy is in my power. It is a muscle I can develop today. He goes on, I mean, there's another one um, in chapter 57. He says, wake up, my heart. Wake up. Don't stay asleep. Don't miss out on what God wants to do. Wake up. He decides, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to take a hold of what God wants to do in my life. Stir your faith. You know, under the umbrella of joy are many joyous sort of characteristics, one of which is enthusiasm, and I heard uh, Steve Backlin said this, that enthusiasm also is a muscle, and you know, this, feel, this is going to feel kind of like, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if I like that, but he said, always act more enthusiastic than you feel, and we don't like that, he's like, that's not authentic, <laughs> right, but if you can't inspire yourself, how are you going to inspire anybody else, right. like, oof, ouch, yeah, I feel that, right, you wake up, you're like, man, Life sucks. Like, but I'm a leader, but you know, life sucks. So, like, how are you gonna inspire anybody if you can't inspire yourself? It's a muscle, so develop it. You don't go to the gym, and you don't do less weight than you've done in the past, you do more weight than you've done in the past, right? so you can get stronger. In the same way, act more enthusiastic than you feel. It's a muscle, you develop it, right? Third thing is, is what we've already done. And I'm not sure if you guys have warmed up to the idea yet, if you're still feeling like that's really awkward and horrible, but laugh at lies. It feels really ridiculous. It still feels ridiculous. But I'd encourage you guys to do this whenever you realize that you've been duped into believing something that's not true. You you can do it, you know, when you're not with anyone, so it's not embarrassing. I'll do this in my car. You know, I'm in my car. I'm by myself. Everyone's embarrassing in their car. They scream as loud as they can to songs that they're embarrassed that they know, right? Like, everyone does this. So do this in your car. Like, oh my gosh, like, I'm afraid of the future that I'm not going to have the money because I don't believe God's going to provide. Ha ha, that's not true, Right? And it takes some time to warm up, right? But do this. Laugh at the lies. It cuts the power out from the lie, and it shows you how ridiculous it really is. Yeah. Last thing, and this is what uh, Dylan alluded to earlier. I'm so thankful for Dylan's testimony that, that joy is really possible, regardless of what your past is, regardless of what you're going through right now. Joy is possible. And one of the tools I think is helpful is reminding yourself of what's true. Is anyone else ever forget anything ever? I forget a lot of things all the time. I forgot what I did yesterday, like, or this morning. You know, people are like, "Hey, what, how was your day?" I'm not sure how my day was. I'm like trying to remember what I did today. You know, we forget stuff, right? So my fourth one is: declare truth. Remind yourself of what is true. We forget, and we're just like the Israelites. They saw all these miracles. They saw God do these incredible things that were impossible. And they're like, oh my gosh, we'll never not believe in you. We'll never believe in anything else because of the incredible things we saw. Less than a year later, they're like, oh yeah, that, God can't do that. That's impossible. Let's, we'd rather die in the desert. <laughs> they forgot, like, right? And we do the same thing, lest we think we're more spiritual than the Israelites, and we're not. Uh, we do the same thing. So declare truth. And you can... You can do this yourself. We have different resources. We have these uh, confession sheets. It's not like confessing your sin to somebody. It's like confessing truth. And it's just truth from the Bible that someone took the time to write out and put in different categories like joy, like uh, faith, like your identity, knowing who you are. And it's just declaring, God has made me a powerful person. God has filled me with the Holy Spirit. I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit available to me. I'm a powerful person, which means... I'm not going to live in subject to my circumstances. I can rule over my circumstances. You're reminding yourself of what's true and of who God has made you to be. Do this. Man, uh, Steve Backlin, the guy that I've been referencing a few times, uh, challenged some of us to do 100 of these, 100 declarations a day for a month. And uh, I know a few of us have done it. Brogan and I did it for a month. And we didn't do it perfectly. We didn't get 100 every single day. But it was a lot more than i ever done before. And, dude, that month was incredible. It was so awesome. I mean, so much that... I miss out on just because I'm in a funk that day. You know, like, oh man, I feel bad. I'm tired. I haven't had coffee yet. You know, whatever it is. And you just miss out on stuff because we don't live in who God has said we are. All right, so give Jesus your shame. Stir your faith. Laugh at lies and declare truth. Declare it every day. Do this. So here's what we talked about. Joy is a muscle. Joy is strength. It's in our control to develop it. We can't listen to the lies of our feelings and our past. Because when we do, we lose our joy. So friends, don't lose your joy. And let me just say one more time that I'm in this too. i mean, this week where wins and losses. Where I kept it and I lost it. Alright, so let's, let's do this together. Alright, let me pray for us. And we'll move on. Jesus, thank you so much for the incredible ability that you have to take something bad and make it good, to take something broken and to fix it, to take something depressed or in a funk and and bring life and to bring joy into that thing. God, thank you that you're always doing something new. You're always injecting newness and life and joy and hope into every situation that you encounter. God, let us be people with really, really strong joy muscles. God, that nothing can faze us. That man, when we experience the worst of the worst, that thing can't take our joy Because that thing doesn't have the power to take our joy from us. God, I pray that you'd make us such strong people who walk in such joy. God, who can walk in the fullness of what you've made us to be and what you've made us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.